airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. Mm -hmm. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for joining us in this hour. We are well aware that you could spend your time doing whatever you want. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe people want to spend time with Glory us. To God. Hey. Yeah. And and so for that, I'm <laughs> grateful. No, that's exactly where I'm, I'm going with that. I like know, I, I, I Oh, okay. <laughs> you know I'm sensitive, Will. Man, not, come on, man. Not really sensitive to like other people, mostly sensitive to you. I'm like, well, you understand what I'm saying, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means that I okay. mean a lot. Don't mean... <laughs> Hey, I mean, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. that wasn't too convincing. Yeah. I mean, come on. Man. Yeah, no. Um, but <laughs> just for clarity, what was what were you saying though? Just to make sure that I understood. That what? I don't know. What are you talking about? All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome <laughs> to the program. I'm Miki, and I'm Will. J Mac and our brother Richard are on tap, helping us navigate Aaron the Addisons today. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I don't. I th- we're not announcing the conference anymore. <laughs> we're not. That, well, that, I'm, kind I'm of saying that with a question mark at the oh. end. I'm well, just. I just want to make sure. Yeah, I, I know, think we. Can, yeah. I mean, we look. If you uh, desire to come, you need to register right now. That's Word. all. That's all we need okay. to say. Um, all right. I mean, you know, marriagefamilylife.net. I mean, it's getting real close. And I know the, the conference is only, what, two months away? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be some shutdowns happening. <laughs> so if you if you um, hmm. desire to come, go ahead and register Kay. now. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. It's safe to I'm say just, that. Okay. I just didn't Look, know. And so I wanted to, you know. Like I, I just, had a conversation and, yeah. and okay. I, I asked about, like, should yeah. I even uh, announce What's, right. what's going on? Yeah. And the person was like, "Yeah, you can say it on your show, you know, but we're not going." Okay. To. So, so yeah. Okay. How much of what's going on? Well, we're we're announcing that God is really, you know, um, okay, moved upon yeah. people's heart to to register, <laughs> and so um, there is a venue change. We have to move venues. Yeah, guys, and that's a blessing. This is exciting. And yeah, that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so, for people who have registered, you you will receive an email uh, about that change, but it mm-hmm. will be. Now with the Bancorp South Conference Center, which is, mm-hmm. it's great. You know, yes. um, we have outgrown our, um, you know, our venue Previous of the location. past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, which yeah. is a great thing. And so now mm-hmm. we're we're moving on. So, um, yeah. but you'll get more details about that. But registration is almost pretty much closed. Almost. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. I didn't, I didn't want to say and then like no, it's all not good. check. Okay. Um, I already checked. Right. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so then so there you go. So that yeah. information as choppy as that was, <clears throat> people can decipher and, and, and You can send me an email at addisons at EFR dot net if you have questions. I'm sure if you, you I'm sure if you do, you will. So yeah. and addisons at EFR dot net. And I'll yep. you know, answer your question. Yeah, exactly. Um 
and instead of uh, teaching apologetics and worldview, we have we've decided that we're just going to put all of the kids in a pack and play <laughs> and right. sort of like have like an exhibit where you can just go up and talk to your kid. I'm kidding. That's not going to happen. You know, whenever I make jokes like that, it reminds me of um, and I was talking about this recently with the kids when you and I mm -hmm. um, were parents to the one Mariah and I was going to visit a friend yeah. who had one cat. You remember this? Uh, she had one cat and I was going over to visit. And, mm -hmm. you know, as a new mom, you're just sort of like, oh, you know, pets and everything, yeah. and especially yeah. when you don't have pets. And so. I, I asked her, I was like, do you have like a cage for your cat? And which, you know, just to let you guys know what kind of cat this is, her name is Sophie. Okay. Uh -huh. So that just tells you the caliber of cat that we're dealing with. You know what a Sophie cat is like, right? <laughs> so I was like, do you have a cage or something for Sophie? And she was like, do you have one for Mariah? And I was like, uh, yeah, we call it the pack and play. <laughs> yeah, we do. We actually do have a cage for her too. So anyway, you know, that conversation was problematic. You know, well, <laughs> they're not the same. Okay. Anyway, they're not the same, but both of them can be put in a cage yeah, yeah. at the drop of a hat yeah. um, or the shedding be. of fur. I don't know, whichever <laughs> people prefer. All right. All right. Okay. Let's get into what we want to talk about today, because this is again. Uh, so I was thinking about um, the Lorax, the, the Dr. Seuss rhyme from the Lorax, where um, I think it's the Wunzler who um, at the end when he's, you know, talking about um, it's, you know, it's it's very much the hugging a tree type thing. Yeah. But um, he says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. You remember mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. You remember that? We watched that movie a lot. Many, many times. Okay. So <laughs> although I prefer to say we read the books because it sounds smarter. <laughs> um, but sure, it's the movie. Sure. Okay. So, so anyways, I was thinking about this. And so today's show is a discussion around unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot. That's, ah. that's the discussion, right? Unless someone like you, like you yeah. cares a whole awful lot and about what, that's the question. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about what we're often talking about and it is our kids worldview. It is a biblical worldview for children and it is um, acknowledging that we can look at our country and we can look at the state that we are in and we can decry it asking the question, you know, what about our lawmakers and what about, oh, my goodness, and look at what's happening, the culture, the culture, the culture, and all mm. of these things we tend to remove from our own personal involvement. Like we are not liable. You know, it's sort of like always something that is happening out there. But one of the things that we continue to try to drive home on this program is that the change and the types of things that we see happening um, didn't start necessarily mm -hmm. just sort of in a vacuum outside of our homes. No. In many ways, we have been a part, look, unbeknownst to ourselves, guys. Yeah, not okay? on purpose. And not on purpose. Right. But we have contributed to the decline that we are in. It's true. Notice I'm not saying the decline that we're facing. We're in it. It's it's happening. It's it's here right now. Right. We have contributed to this decline and the more I talk about these things and the more I read about these things and I look at um, the design to destroy, you know, and, and you see how insidious, as we were talking about yesterday with Dr. Lutzer, how insidious these philosophies are and how they have infiltrated not only our families, but the church. I mean, it's just it's so snaky. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just the way it's infiltrated. Unfortunately for us, these things have happened on our watch. Yeah. On our watch. 
And so what I want to talk about is an article um, I read. It's out today um, by author and um, pastor and teacher uh, Wallace B. Henley. And some of our listeners, if you've listened for a, a, at least a couple years, um, we interviewed um, Brother Henley a couple years ago. He wrote a book called Down Lightning where he talked about the Welsh Revival. You remember mm-hmm. that interview? Oh, man, it was a great one. Man, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so he writes regularly. Uh, he's he's a col- columnist, and he writes regularly for the uh, Christian Post. And so he's got an article out today, and the article is, Who Will Form Our Children's Worldview? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, I'm going to take that bait like that. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this because this is something right that I mm-hmm. actually is right up my alley. I actually care an awful lot about this. Right. And again, remember, the statement is unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot. Right. Because we say that we care about what's happening in the country. Right. We say that we care even about what's happening in the church. But it does not occur to us either either because we are afraid to acknowledge it or it really just does not occur to us. It's not that we're ignoring it, but we don't recognize the fact that we actually have a personal role to play in this and we can begin today, mm. today. Like you, you're you saying, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to see things change? How are we going to turn things around? And then somebody says, well, okay, there's work to do in your own family. And you're like, no, 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 that's not it. Well, actually, that is it, because the decline in the family, the decline in the church, the decline as it pertains to God's word as the standard. Right. All of these things we have either directly or indirectly contributed to in our country. Right. And we have reaped or we look. Yeah, it's not the benefits of it, but the fruit of it, which is bad. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it's ours. It's in our laps right now. And so how do we turn it around? So I want to have a conversation around this article just a little bit. I want to bring in a couple of cross references uh, as we talk about um, Wallace Henley's article here, because I, 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 I just can't ignore the fact that, you know, more and more people are waking up to what we must do, mm-hmm. not what is optional. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll try and maybe we want, you know, it's what we must do. And, and we must do these things for a number of reasons. So here we go. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to read a little bit of this article and then we'll kind of talk it out. Um, and again, the title of the article, it will be in the show notes. So you can just wait and get the podcast and, and get the link to it there. Um, or you can go look it up. Uh, Christianpost.com. Who will form our children's worldview? Who will form our children's worldview? All right. So Wallace Henley starts this way. Worldviews seek to answer ultimate questions. And therefore, biblical worldview studies should be a major responsibility of churches. I love that the lead here is where we ultimately must end up as well. Mm-hmm. Right. That, so this is the opening statement. And then the rest of the article is spent making the case for the fact that churches, churches must teach biblical worldview. I'm, of course, but with commentary must, here. Must, must have biblical worldview man that's some of the problem yeah and i think and i and i agree with uh what uh mr henley is saying here Mm -hmm. in his opening statement but i tend to think like man that type of worldview training has to start at the home yes because you have you know churches that don't have a biblical worldview we're seeing it more and, and, and more but so let me ask you this then okay so i agree with you on that 
well, let me ask the question without making a statement, mm-hmm. although it might end up being that way. <laughs> okay. So, but my question is, if parents are to teach a biblical worldview and we call the life that we live with our kids and discipling them and training them, <laughs> um, yeah. this is a ministry of types. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are we not to be equipped by the church yes. to do this? Aren't yes. we supposed to? Yes, we carry it out as parents. Yes. But there is a certain expectation that we're supposed to be equipped within the body so, of Christ. So my answer is yes, in the perfect okay. biblical world that <laughs> the church <laughs> is supposed yeah. to, you know, uh, train up saints for for ministry. You okay. know, and that ministry is, I believe, primarily what you're going to do in your home. Yeah. But in what we have right now, I think the churches have and the families probably equally have to be, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, encouraged to have a biblical worldview. Because I think in a lot of churches we're seeing that that's eroding, you know, that's, Hmm. you know, so I think we have to probably figure out how we can encourage both. Yes. No, I agree with you 100 percent. And I think to the point that you're making Part of the failure of the collection, like the body of Christ, we talk about the church, part of the failure there in executing what the Bible lays out as the purpose of the church and the work of the church, the failure there, I think, has caused a failure in the family. And so then parents are sort of like existing in this free fall, arms flailing and all. You know Mm. what I mean? Like just sort of like, how do we do, what do we do? And and there's this fall and... you know, so many parents, unfortunately, are waiting for like, like to, to, to meet the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the bottom is actually, OK, when my kid is out of my house now, we'll see. Yeah. How, how is this all ah. going to turn out? Well, what I'm strongly suggesting is much. that we don't have to be in this free fall. Yeah. And we don't have to just be sort of like, we don't know. We we're, we're hoping we're just throwing things against the wall and seeing if it sticks. I don't think that we need to be in that free fall. Yeah. But I think that you make an excellent point. There is a dual partnership here where the church is supposed to be doing what the church is supposed to be doing. Yeah. But parents are also to be doing what they are supposed to be doing. True. Right. And and so if the church is teaching biblical worldview, we see that as equipping parents to also teach biblical worldview. So it is not that the parents sort of take their kid on a Wednesday night or Tuesday or whenever and, and say to the church, all right, now inculcate. No, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is the parents are learning this. It becomes their conviction. And then by extension, they pass this conviction on to their children. Yeah. This is not an option. We must start doing this right now. Actually, we must start doing it yesterday. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. When I look in the mirror and don't like what I see. Thank you for always loving me. And I know I get bad, but you wait patiently. Oh, I just thank you for always loving me. Oh, I just thank you for always loving me. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and as loving me, Jonathan McReynolds. Um, We are looking at um, this column written by Wallace B. Henley, um, who will form our children's worldview, who will form our children's worldview. And I'm reading a little bit um, from this piece and and just having a conversation, you know, and I've already 
kind of set it up and we've already kind of gotten into the discussion. So I just I will continue on and will the great and I will go back and forth talking about this. Uh, it'll be clear where Wallace Henley comes to rest and yeah. he begins where he ends. Right. So yeah. um, he's he's calling the church to help form a biblical worldview to help mm -hmm. shape a biblical worldview. And by extension, then this would be available to children. Um, and I understand that, but, but I also, I agree with you, Will. And I, and I think that this is um, what we have to get that this is not a, a, a place where you say, or not a point where you say, yes, that's good, brother Henley. That's exactly right. We need to be able to bring our kids down to church and they need to be able to get that biblical worldview that has been extracted from the schoolroom. They need mm -hmm. to, we, ne we need to, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> right. You know, it's walking up to the person and saying, I unfriend you. That's, that's not <laughs> how it works. Right. right so there right. is something that is missing. There is a component that is not exactly kind of clicking for us that God has given us a specific role. It is, as our brother Abraham says, it is our full time job. Right. It right. is our full time job, you know, and, and it's even when the whistle blows, it's like, you know, you probably it's, it's not quitting time. Right. You know, you're, you're not done. There's right. more that can be done. So I want to take what um, our brother Wallace Henley, Henley has written here and I want to expand it just a bit. So here we go. Back to his piece. He says, or he writes, if churches now fail to take on worldview formation, other institutions are eager to fill the void. He is so he right. He is right about that. I mean, they jump <laughs> no on question. it. Yes, yes, and yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> So the worldview many of them will, will shape for your young is devoid of true ultimates like God's transcendence and relationship to the health of the nation. And then he goes on to um, to quote a man named uh, Jonathan Friendly, who wrote something in 1985. In 1985, he was commenting on um, where public schools are. This is in 1985. And so here he, he quotes this man. I think it's interesting. So I'm going to read it to you here. Uh, quote, in compliance with the Supreme Court's decision, most public schools have banned the teaching of religion. In doing so, they have effectively suppressed the teaching of religiously grounded moral values. All right. I'll continue with Friendly's quote that Henley has in his piece. Um. Values are much less discussed in public schools now than they were in the late 1960s, educators say. And specific courses in values or religion or democracy, once popular in high school curriculums, I'm quoting here, mm -hmm. are now rare, in part because they are controversial and in part because there are few teachers trained to give them, end quote. Mm -hmm. Now, let me let me um, pick at that with my fork. OK, I just want to pick it. I don't want to chop it up. I just want to pick at that with my fork. And here's what I want to say. This kind of assumes that our institutions of education, um, our elementary schools, our middle yeah. schools, our high schools, our higher um, institutions of education right, our, our, of learning. Right. This assumes that they are neutral grounds. And they're not that, that. No, they absolutely are not. And and so and that is where I think parents must be careful, because what we think is, oh, it's just a shame. Whereas once they were writing on your kid's school slate things about God and now they've just erased the slate and left it bare. That's not true. Mm. That is not true. Every person walking has a worldview mm -hmm. that every person walking 
wears a lens, whether you are aware of it or not, through which you view the world. Yeah. The question is, what lens will it be? And so when you look at school and you look at education, you, you look at what our kids are getting from media and, and their friends, all of these things, it is shaping the way they think about life. It is not a neutral existence where you think, well, you know, we have time to actually start writing on it or we have time to actually start um, helping to inculcate this biblical worldview. No, you actually don't have time because from the earliest moment that they can start to process, there is a world that is writing on their tablets, right. that's writing on their little school boards. And when I think we make a mistake, and, and, and I say this respectfully, I think we make a mistake to think that the removal of, um, as this writer, um, what's his first name? The last name is Friendly, Jonathan Friendly, in 1985. We make a mistake if we just take this observation. Of course, it's 1985, so his look at things a little bit different. Okay, we've come a long way since 1985. Nevertheless, even in 1985, I think we're making a huge mistake to simply say that the removal of religion from school meant that there was the removal of religion from school. What we actually would be talking about more accurately is that it was the removal of Christian religion from school. Right. Because there is still religious activity, if oh, you yeah. will, oh, yeah. happening in school. Oh, yeah. There is a worldview that is being handed to your child, a way to view the world. And, right. and the number one way, let me just say this. Even if there is not a word spoken to your kid to attack or to claw at the authority of Scripture or the supremacy of Christ and, and what he did and, and, and the fact that God exists, even if nobody says that, there is this unspoken position that God has no place in education. So that becomes, and we talked about this. You guys remember, um, let, let me pull up the article because I'm, I'm also going to refer to this just a little bit later. You remember the article we talked about back in December, why American children stopped believing in God. Mm -hmm. Remember this? Yep. Uh, Cameron Hilditch took a look at, um, at Lyman Stone's work at American Enterprise Institute where he tracked the history of religious belief behavior and an association in the United States since its founding. He looked at how education has kind of uh, panned out in, in the United States of America. And he noticed something, right? He noticed that the shape of education was directly connected to taxpayer dollars. <laughs> all right. And, and even the outcome of like what kids began to believe about God connected to taxpayer dollars. Right. So what you have is you have your kid who is partaking <laughs> soaking up a curriculum mm -hmm. that says God at, at, at worst, God does not exist. Right. Or, um, or at the very least he's irrelevant to your studies. Right. He, there's no place for him here if he exists. Although today you look at some of the stories that we cover huh. and let's just come on. It's, it wouldn't be. Yeah. Go ahead, Will. Go ahead. I'm gonna say it's more stream than that. No, it's yes. Not, it's it's an out and out hatred of God. Like that's right. Don't he don't belong here? Like your yes. beliefs are yes. are not supposed to be here. That's right. That's right. And if you if you espouse those beliefs, okay, even if you operate according to that conviction, you are unfit for culture. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Do we understand that the time that we are in, 
in some areas of the country and the time that we are entering in, in others, your kids, if they are Bible believing kids are the minority. Listen to me to Christians who are black, who think, well, you know, I mean, yeah, it's craziness going on, but I don't really have to worry about it with my kid because you know, it's not, I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's, you know, there's, you know, there's a little bit of privilege points because of the way the culture is going. And I'm not saying that I've had a conversation with anybody who said that to me at all. And I want to make that very clear. But let me say this. The line of demarcation is not on skin color. It is not based on region of the country. It's not based on so much even what you think about politics. Although, yeah, they can, you know, that could be a thing. What will make your kid a part of the minority, a part of the persecuted bunch will be if your kid has a biblical worldview. <laughs> and I'm just not convinced that we have empowered our kids enough. One, that they know what the Bible says on critical issues. Mm-hmm. Chief, chief among this knowledge, what the gospel is. And then number two, that we have emboldened them to tell it, to yeah. tell it. Yeah. Listen, for far too long, Christians have told their kids, be nice. Now, you don't you don't want to be uh, judgmental and you don't want to be critical. And that's why people don't come to church. And and why Mm. did why do we tell our kids that? Because in the 90s and early 2000s, we were told it. (laughs) So we just regurgitated that to our kids. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the seeker sensitive movement that said, oh, our churches, people don't want to come to our churches because they're too mm, churchy. (laughs) So we started to try to run them like clubs. Mm-hmm. And so then we thought, oh, look, it's working. But no, nope. actually, looking right. back on the data, it wasn't right. working. We had very few converts. We had mass church attendance, but very few converts. So you don't even have members of the church. If you're not converted, you're not a member of the church. And correct me if I'm wrong, even some of the even the proponents of the people that started that came back and said, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm suggesting. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I'm suggesting, that it, that it turned out to be an utter failure. Yeah. That they people were it. not converting. People <laughs> were not coming to Christ. Yeah. So so here is here's what we do or what we did with that. We we took it and we said, you know, we got to make sure that our kids are not offensive. So we started to water down our convictions and we taught our kids to water it down. Mm-hmm. We taught our kids that being popular was more important than, say, things like purity mm-hmm. or telling the truth about who Christ is. Mm-hmm. And even when we boasted about our kids, our great boasts were on things that are uh, not eternal. Yeah. The things that brought us the greatest source of pride in our children were things that only matter here on this earth. And our kids can sense that they, they understand what gets us going. Oh yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like if, yeah, I took him out to the park and uh, yeah, he threw that ball clean cross. And not only do they sense it, but that that's what shape how they will carry things out. Exactly. Like it, it shapes them. To, yes. Of what's important. So listen, that is that is an excellent segue into talking about not only do churches need to teach parents biblical worldview. Listen, that it may sound like an antiquated phrase for you, you know, biblical worldview studies and all of these things. It may it may sound like turn the VHS over or, you know, whatever, take it out. I don't know. But listen to me. What we're going for here is that we and our children know how to filter all of our engagement through biblical conviction. That never gets old. Right. 
That never. And in fact, we need to ramp that up because somehow we thought it didn't really take all of that. But it takes that. And as I often say, probably some of the things that we're not doing. So churches need to be teaching biblical worldview. This is the case that um, that uh, Henley makes in his piece. Wallace Henley makes in his piece. But I will go a step further and say that, yes, churches must do that. You must engage. You must teach biblical worldview. But parents learning this themselves must reinforce this and teach it at home. Mm. So it's not passive. And that's why I even hesitate to say reinforce, because reinforce, it sounds like eh, I just need to color over it again. But you must teach it. There's more. You're you're not just like "Mm," making sure that it's pulled tight. You know, you're tying the thing up. You're doing you're doing the work as well. Yeah. And so so in in doing this, what begins to happen? Listen to me very carefully here. What begins to happen is by God's amazing grace, we begin to turn and change a nation. Mm. How do you do it? Well, because think about it. Generations do not exist in a vacuum. So a gen- people think about generations and they're like well i don't know what's going on with this generation as if it just popped up sort right, of like of fungus yeah you understand it's like you, you you have that moldy piece of bread and you're like well i don't know where that came that from generation was created by by the generation before it that's right come on and so what happens and again this goes back to the article we talked about back in december about why american kids stopped believing in god and one of the points that was made here and i'm going to read it here quote it turns out that religiosity is usually determined very early in life. All the data suggests that, by and large, kids brought up in religious households stay religious and kids who aren't don't. Consequently, childhood religiosity has been and remains the most important indicator of America's religious trajectory. (laughs) The story of religious decline in America is not the story of adults consciously rejecting the faith of their forefathers... It's the story of each generation receiving a more secular upbringing than the generation preceding it. And what accounts for this secularization of childhood over time? This article says taxpayer dollars. (laughs) So here is my point. When we read in Judges chapter two and we look at this generation that cropped up that did not know God. Mm. And you know what I'm saying? This mm-hmm. is this is after they've had this incredible experience with Moses and then under the leadership of Joshua and, and then at Joshua's passing, you have a generation that does not know God. Now we look at that and, and you can just focus on the generation that does not know God. You look at this generation. But I think understanding how generations work and overlap, that they do not exist as these sort of like self-existent rogue independent groups of people where it's like, I don't know where you came from. Well, they came from you. They came from us. We came from them. Mm. So whenever there is a decline, the successive decline of a nation is directly connected to what is happening in each generation that precedes those people who inhabit that nation. So it's not going to be just our political raw activism and, hey, we got to do this. No, it's going to be looking in your family, in your home, and looking at your children and saying, not on my watch. You will know who God is. And I'm going to do everything that it takes and probably some of the things I don't even have the strength for to make sure that you understand what this means. If we give up doing this and expect that in our generation alone, we are going to make the impact that's going to change things for our kids, we will have failed and played right into the hands of the Marxists. Mm. 
Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Jay Will with Still Can. Um, hey, Miki, I yeah. just want to, just one thing about generations. Sure. You yeah. know, that scripture that you had uh, mentioned, uh, Judges, chapter mm-hmm. 2, and I, I think it's around verse 10, and it talks about all that generation, talk about Joshua when he died. Yes. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the, the work which he had done for Israel, mm. which is amazing to me when you Come consider on. what God had done for Israel in Joshua's <laughs> generation. And the generation is about, what, 20, 30 years? Like, mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. that's not a long time for no. things to be lost. You Come know? on. And, and just thinking about all that God did during the time of Joshua and Moses, you know, but, but of Joshua and all the people that was with him passed yes. away in this next generation within 20, 30 years did not Come even on. know the Lord or, yeah. it, or what he did for Israel. That's amazing, but it's it an is. indictment on, you know, not carrying on, you know, what God has given to the next generation. Yes. Man, it's, it's yes. just amazing to consider that. Think about that. I mean, you know, even just in, in real time in our own life, you know, some of us are, raising like you you can look back on it some some people listening to us have kids who are 20 or 30 you know and Mm -hmm. and you can just look at their development in that time and the questions of okay what did I write on their tablets you know like what what did I um, teach them how did I train them those are the questions and I mean in our own lives we can look back 20 years and see how we have either grown in the Lord (laughs) or lived a very stagnant life (laughs) right you know what I mean I mean because we're it's we're not neutral yeah, we're not. It's you. You're you're not just like coasting. You, you know what I'm saying? There right. is something that is going on and we have to understand these things spiritually. They're, you're not just like you're not just like trying to stay out of the way. I mean, what you know can, what I mean? What, what, can, what has been built up can be so quickly lost. That's if, right. If there's a negligence. That's right. That's right. That's right. One misstep. And 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 the enemy, you know, is not, you know, <laughs> not playing patty cake. So right. that one misstep is exactly what had had been anticipated or waited or longed for. Yeah. Right. So that he can seize the opportunity. And so anyway, the encouragement is to parents and grandparents. Um, if if you care an awful lot. Right. Um, you have to do something. Mm. You have to do something. There are parents who are so incredibly busy, Um, you know, so often we find ourselves living in a type of culture that, man, actively resists even our desires that we say, man, I I would like to do more of this. You know, we we live in a time where it's like, no, you're not. You can't, you (laughs) know? And so then what what must we do? Well, Mm -hmm. we must make sure, um, we must prayerfully make sure that we are surrounded by people who have the same mind. Mm. You know, have Amen. have this this one mind that we're supposed to have in Christ so that there is help that is available. How, how do we teach our kids a biblical worldview? This it's laborious like you, you are you're doing this work 
right? But it is worth it. It does produce a harvest. And, and sometimes it's getting to the end. You know, we had a sister in our fellowship who was talking about how um, when she was homeschooling her kids, she required them to read their Bible every morning. And it was mm-hmm. just like, you know, read your Bible, read your Bible. And she said something changed when she walked into her daughter's room one night and she was reading her Bible on mm. her own. It wasn't that morning requirement. Yeah. Look, yeah. those are the moments Man. that we are like, we're running, trying to get to, <laughs> please. You know, we, 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 because we want our kids to understand that it's not our faith that they have adopted. Right, right. It is Amen. the faith yes. that by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit bears witness. This is the truth. And they say, Lord, save me. Yes. Yes. They confess their sin and, and it becomes the faith that they have adopted. Not I'm just doing what my mom Amen. says. Amen. And this pales in comparison, but I just had the thought of, you know, seeing a, a child ride without the training wheels on all <laughs> the while. You know, it's been like, yes. then those things come off yes. and you're like, man, you, you come on, you're riding. You, you got That's it. it. You're doing it. And, and look, and, and think about it though. Now, I, cause I like this illustration, right? I love illustrations, but if you think about it, when you're when you're like bent over that seat, mm-hmm. right? The labor that you're putting into the yeah. and they're just like, Holding don't on. let go. Don't yeah. let. <laughs> right. And and it's so maybe it's just me. To me, it's so uncomfortable because you're like hunched over and running, you know, <laughs> trying to keep and and you know, yeah. but that that point where you get to stand up and they are going on their own and, and this is mm. fully theirs. Man, mm-hmm. there is something about that. That that's that's what we're striving for. Mm. And that work is not over, man. We're not in the time of hands off. We're just looking up, just looking up. No, the Lord has called us to occupy. That's a business term. It means to make gains. What Mm. what kind of return are we seeking to make for the Lord on the investment that he has given us? That's our children we're talking about. Yeah. Like, what what is it that we're doing? And, And then when you consider the fact that we exist in a culture where they are constantly looking at our plate and saying, you're not going to eat that. Oh, you're not going to eat that. You know, you, you want to hunch over. You remember in school, you, you'd hunch over your plate like, get off. Yeah, I'm going to eat this. That's how we have to be with our kids. Get off. Yeah, I'm going to write on their tablet mm. by God's grace. Amen. By God's grace, I am going to I am going to pass down to them what has been passed down to me. Yeah, this is it's it's, it's like what, what the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the, the Corinthians. You know, he says, I delivered to you what I also received. Mm. I delivered to you. What I also received, man, can we look back on our lives as parents and say, man, I've, I've seen the decline in the culture. I see where, you know, wicked and evil men and women want to take us and want to take our children. They want our families destroyed and I'm not giving in. Can, can you say to your children that I have delivered to you what I also received? Can you say to your grandchildren, I delivered to you? What I also received, because I'm going to tell you something, their eternity depends on that. It's not just about them having a better life. It's not about giving them boldness as they show up at marches or or as they're sitting in the classroom. It will include some of those things, maybe, possibly, certainly, you know. <laughs> yeah. But this is about eternity. Amen. This is what we're talking about. Amen. All right. Um, let's open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Our brother Richard is over in Studio CC, and he will get your calls queued up. And as soon as he does that, we'll go straight to them. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot. Yeah. Nothing is going to get better. It's not. Man, I, you know, that seems so simple, right? Like, because we say that we care. Like, yeah. No, but, I was, was going to say it, 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 it seems like it. But, man, when you really begin to discuss this, and I think it, it, it brings about a self-evaluation. Do I really care? Yes. And if yes. so, what is it going to move me to do? What kind of yes. action 
am I going to begin to take? You know, and I think that's something that we have to ask ourselves, you know. I want to, um, as we wait for the phone lines to get queued up, I, I want to read just a little bit from Wallace Henley's piece uh, near the end here. Uh, he writes, the secular city, especially under progressivism, is blitzing the Judeo-Christian Ooh, worldview. Man, blitzing. That, that's, yeah. Blitzing. Okay. Man, he's so right. Only the biblically grounded church can become the strong city of refuge for the title deeds of freedom that the Lord of history himself has given. And then he goes on to offer some suggestions about what churches might do. I'm, I'm going to tell you, look, you know, we're, we're up against a lot. And, and I think in some ways uh, there are some people who are looking and saying, Oh, it must be almost over. Mm-hmm. Can't get any worse. Must be almost over. And that's exactly what the enemy of your soul is hoping that you will do. Yeah. That you will just kind of give up and say, eh, you know, I mean, look, let's just, let's just try to ride it out. You know, we, let's just try to ride it out until we all go home. <laughs> no, the Lord has called for us to make gains. We are called to occupy and what better place to start <laughs> your occupation than in your own home with yeah. your own families, turning yeah. the ship around and saying, okay, listen, you know, we, we may have missed, you know, some yeah. lessons here, but, yeah. but we're going to start. Yeah. We're going to get those lessons going somewhere. That's right. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. Will the great, where do we go first? Okay. Let's go to Heath in Ohio. Hi Heath. How you doing? Good. Hello. Good. Hey, I'm sorry. Can you guys hear me? Yes. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. So I'll be real quick because I know other people I gotta, um, want to talk. So I just wanted to encourage parents out there who are listening to this. Um, I'm, a, I'm an educator almost 30 years. Um, I'm a dad um, of three young men, mm. uh, 26. His birthday is today, mm. 21. Oh, happy and, birthday. He's in the Navy. Mm. And then a 19-year-old. A um, I tell my wife almost every day. We're going to stand at the, at the gate, and we're going to fight. Mm-hmm. We are never giving up. I am, I am a 50-year-old man who will never relinquish that fatherhood. My boys know that. I'm going to keep doing that, and that's my passion. And I want to encourage parents out there because there's times you're going you're gonna to feel like you just, you're, fighting against, you're fighting an uphill battle, especially I'm a, I'm a public um, uh, I teach in a public school, and it is extremely hard at this point in time. But again, Paul says in Philippians, you know, and, and many times he says, don't let those things, not, this is my heathism coming out, but don't <laughs> let those things veer you off of your passion, the passion for Jesus. Not, and what you, you asked the question there, I think a lot of the time, the church, we get unfocused. Jesus has to be the reason why we do what we do. Yeah. That's amen. all I want to say. Man, amen. amen. Thank, Thank you, you so much for that, Heath. I appreciate it. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go now? All right, let's go to David in Virginia. Hi, David. Hi, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Oh, no problem. Go ahead. Well, your topic is uh, very exciting to me. Uh, I, 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 I've spoken about it many times. And, uh, you know, I'd like to point out a couple of scriptures that support it. Uh, first of all, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. That's the last two verses of the Old Testament. And God says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, <clears throat> and the heart of the children to their fathers, 
lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Mm. And I believe that that curse are the consequences of giving our children up from the time that they're 10 weeks old, we outsource them to others. And uh, we have given a couple of two, maybe even three generations over so that others could write on the table of their hearts. Mm. And, uh, and that's why we are seeing the fulfillment of Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, that says, and I'm not going to quote them all, but it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, yes. for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, petty, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, mm. having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You know, <clears throat> in the days of Noah, we had the very, we had even more serious uh, things happening then. Uh, God says in, in the scriptures that, that, that there was violence all the time. <clears throat> but he did something that we each one of us needs to do, and that's Psalm 127. He said he let the Lord build his house, and he raised up his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and the, the, uh, he didn't lose one of them. The whole mm-hmm. world got lost, but he won his house. And so that's what we need to do, and we need to do it fervently, we need to do it diligently, and we need to do it all the time. And, uh, and that's, that's what I wanted to say. Thank bullseye. So David, thank you so much. What an encouragement. That, that is bullseye. We, we have gotten the consequences of actions that, man, I don't think we intended that things would turn out the way that they have turned out. Mm-hmm. But now is the opportunity that we have to turn them around. By God's grace, we're still breathing so we can do things differently. Thank you for your call, David. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Kimmy in Oklahoma. Hi, Kimmy. Hello, Will and Miki. Thank you very much for this program. I keep hearing over and over about men competing in women's sports, and yes, that's a terrible perversion, but why are we not hearing more about your subject today? What about the precious little children in the public schools that are being indoctrinated Mm -hmm. with this homosexual transgender perversion? I think that's about 10,000 times more important than the men competing in the women's sports, so thank you so much for having this program, and uh, if, if America is going to sit back and turn our children over to that perversion, uh, our, our nation is gone, and if, if we keep, if the so-called church that say they love the Lord Jesus Christ keep on watching all the trash, ungodliness, and mm. lust on television, well then there will be no revival, and our nation is gone, mm. But it will be well with the righteous, but it's going to be horrible with the wicked, and we must strive to enter in because once saved, always saved is a false doctrine, Will. Miki, it's a false doctrine, but let's just persevere and live for the Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you so much for your program. God bless you, you, Kimmy. I I appreciate you calling in. Listen, our brother made uh, several points there, Mm -hmm. but I got to tell you what we are facing with our kids and the indoctrination that is happening when they are outside of our homes. Please make no mistake about it. This is not a um, a type of indoctrination that says we just want your kids to think this way. The latest iteration iteration of what we see as it pertains to indoctrination 
calls for kids to become activists in their own homes. So in other words, rise up against your parents. Speak out against your Mm -hmm. parent. Call your parent out. So now you are creating rebellion and then reinforcing that in our modern school system. Guys, the job before us is big, but God is bigger. Amen. God is bigger. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.